You're now listening to J House Radio in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. works out i got my headphones on doing it what is up everybody welcome to j house podcast radio this is episode number i've sort of lost count number 93 i believe today talking about the snyder cut and then from there we're branching out into uh news about the alleged air cut of suicide squad that people want to see uh, along with the Snyder Cut that's coming out in 2021. Uh, I'm joined here by my good buddy, my brother, my theater uh, homie, always Evan Elliott. How you doing, bro? Doing good, dude. It's always good to be here. Awesome, awesome, awesome. How you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. I want to start off by saying congratulations to everybody that was involved in the Snyder Cut movement. Uh, mm. For a long time, I didn't think it was going to happen. Right. Uh, but people like you and millions of others apparently persisted, and we're going to get it. <laughs> I'm excited about that, man. I'm happy. Finally, like, it's about time. Three whole years of this, dealing with these trolls, dealing with these uh, these buttholes, you know, these people that, you know, Ugh, what? Ugh, whatever. Um, well, it's like I've said, though. I can't figure out why, for the life of me, why MCU fans care so much if the Snyder Cut gets released or not. Right. I can't. And I see the conversations immediately change from it doesn't exist to, oh, well, it's going to suck. Right. And I don't know. <laughs> and- I can't figure it out. I me neither, and I'm looking at like, and I'm looking at all the, the you know, the main pages. We're talking about uh, CBR dot com, um, Cinema Blend, uh, you know, uh, all the big sites, and then all the Twitter pages that got the big blue checks. You know what I'm saying? Collider, um, all these people that said the Snyder Cut didn't exist. I'm looking at it now on Google. Totally different tune. You know what I'm saying? Some people are like, some of them are like, well, um, does this mean that we give in to bullying now or do fans dictate things now? And some of them are like, so the Snyder Cut proves that the Snyder Cut never existed. I'm like, you morons. <laughs> They'll do anything to deny that the Snyder Cut actually existed, despite the fact that. AT&T is putting about 20 to $30 million toward um, Zach's original finished cut so that he can go ahead and finish it up. Mm-hmm. So so that's, that's just crazy that they're trying to deny that. The cut exists. It just needs some more 
touches up before it, you know, before it hits. People have a hard time admitting when they're wrong. Big time. And this is another prime example. Well, I want to ask you a question to get this started. It's kind of basic. It's a basic question. But why is the Snyder Cut such a big deal? That's a good question. Um, Why it's a big deal? Well, I want to start out by saying point one that just to establish this as a base, that for a lot of people, they think that it was all about DC wanting to catch up with Marvel, which from a studio standpoint, coming from Warner Brothers, I guess we could say, yeah, that's true. Warner Brothers was trying to do that. Um, What makes the Snyder Cut so important is that Zach wanted to differentiate, and he said this in a Man of Steel interview, that he wanted to keep DC different from what Marvel was doing, and they asked him, did he feel any competition with Marvel or any rivalry? And he's like, no, because I love those films, but DC should just stick to doing their own thing, which they should have. And the fact that he had a Justice League movie that had the likes of Darkseid in it, he had a totally different Steppenwolf, we were going to see Martian Manhunter. So much of the, the DC world was going to expand in that first part of Justice League because it was going to be a multiple-part film with you know different sequels. Um, we just never got to see it come to fruition. A lot of us were hyped. And, I'm gonna let, and, and when I say a lot of us, I'm talking about the majority of people were hyped just for the fact that we got Batman and Superman on the same screen. We had and Wonder Woman got popped off, you know, Suicide Squad, say what you, you know, a lot of people don't like that movie, but yet again, that's I'm another, yeah, vocal, vocal about that. But yet again, that's another reason why um, people are rooting now for David Ayer's Suicide Squad cut, because the theatrical cut and the extended cut were not what Dave had, in, was not what David had filmed and not what he wanted. But um, but it's all about creative vision and seeing it through. You know, you can't just you can't go from serious, you know, hopeful tones and you know different types of elements with Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, and then you know switch up those Superman, you know, and Batman themes to what they did in Justice League. It was a total tone shift. That wasn't what Zack did, and they still slapped Zack Snyder's name on it, even though it was only one-fourth of the film that he shot. The rest of it was Joss's, um, and they slapped Zack's name on it and said it was his, <laughs> and it wasn't. I'm like, that's those are not the themes that him and Hans Zimmer worked on, that he, that he and Hans Zimmer... Uh, uh, and Hans Zimmer's the GOAT. Let's go ahead and say that again. He's the GOAT. Hans Zimmer is the GOAT. He's the GOAT. Exactly. Him and Junkie XL worked hard on those Batman and Superman themes to make them distinctful for a new generation, just like the Reeves uh, era theme song was, just like Batman's theme song was. And Danny Elfman said this, and I quote, there are no other Batman or Superman themes except the ones that I made. I'm like, first off, you narcissistic dump, you can't do that. You can't slap another version's uh, theme song on a current version. That's just disrespectful. That's disrespectful to Michael Keaton. That's disrespectful to Christopher Reeve. 
because those are their theme songs that made them iconic. You can't snatch away what makes Superman and Batman's theme iconic for this generation. So I still think Bale had the best theme though. That's 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 debatable. That's debatable. He had a great theme. He had an amazing theme. I loved it. Yeah, but yeah, that's why the Snyder Cut is so important. It's all of these reasons. Just seeing Zach's vision come to pass just like he intended it to, because they were on the cusp of greatness. Had had Warner Brothers not listened to the studio, uh, you know, the, uh, the these critics, not studio, the critics and these online bloggers who are clearly MCU biased, you know, of course you have your people that dislike the movie and and don't necessarily, you know, like it. And that's fine. That's cool. You have that. But, like, it was just blatant hate out to destroy Batman v Superman and out to destroy Zack Snyder, even though people don't hardly know the man as a person. And I so that's... I think he's a good director. But I want to I go back to something you said about creator vision. Yes. Have you ever heard the saying, those who don't learn from the past are doomed to repeat it? Yeah. All right. Well, I have a prime example of because Warner Brothers and this just hit me a minute ago. Mm-hmm. Warner Brothers has already had to learn the hard way that when you change up the tone in a drastic way, it doesn't work. This is a prime example of Batman in the 80s. Tim Burton directed two amazing Batman films that I will defend to the grave. Batman right. and Batman Returns were both amazing. They were amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, then Burton leaves and they bring in, I can't remember his last name, but his first name's Joel. Uh, Schumacher. Yeah, that guy. Uh, yeah. They bring him in to create a more family friendly Batman, hence mm-hmm. Batman Forever, and that movie tanked. So you would think, mm. okay, well, maybe for the next Batman film, they'll learn. No, they actually doubled down on it and made the worst, arguably the worst superhero movie of all time in Batman mm-hmm. and Robin. Argu- right. Arguably the worst, one of the worst films ever made, just in general. It was terrible. Um, mm-hmm. And it was all because, like you said, Burton had a great vision, but they cared more about, well, we want to be more family-friendly and then they released two absolute trash movies. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like they've put Snyder in the same position because I don't doubt Zack Snyder's vision because he proved himself to me as a director with Watchmen. I, right. For those of y'all who are not very familiar with Watchmen, the comic book Watchmen is a humongous comic book. It's big. It's It'll probably mm-hmm. it'll probably take you about four days to read Watchmen from cover to cover, and Zack right. Zack Snyder took that, put it into a three hour film, left nothing out, got all the main points of the story in, and it was awesome. It was absolutely awesome, and that was kind of my first experience with uh, critic bias because if you go to Rotten Tomatoes, Eric, I kid you not, this is what it says. It says um, well, actually, keep talking. I, I'm going to pull up the exact review. Give me two seconds. I'm going to pull this up. Okay, I'm going to it right now. I'm going. I'm looking at the, the Rotten Tomatoes score. Mind, oh, mind you, for the people that are listening, Rotten Tomatoes posted um, 
on Twitter the day of the Snyder Cut being released or after they said um, they asked on their uh, Twitter, um, "What do you think Justice League's uh, new rating, uh, the new Justice League's rating, will be?" And then they had a picture of uh, uh, Batman, Flash, and Wonder Woman from the uh, Justice League with the like seventeen something or whatever percent they gave it the first time on there. And I promise you, we literally almost cussed them out right there. We're like, we don't give a F a flipping flop about what you think the score is going to be. Your opinion does not matter anymore. You no longer dictate movies. So that's just a side note. Okay, what was you saying, Evan? All right, so here it is right here. They gave it a 64%. And uh, here's what it says. It says, gritty and visually striking. Watchmen is a faithful adaptation of Alan Moore's graphic novel. Okay, so right there they acknowledge it's a great movie, but right. its complex narrative structure may make it difficult for it to appeal to viewers not already familiar with the source material. So it's a great movie, but because people who haven't read Watchmen might not be able to follow along, we're going to give it a 64%. Right. Are you kidding me? Right. Dang. But, and, and and go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I didn't have anything to say. You go. And I'm like, doesn't this fall into like the same category? I could say with majority of not not the fans who enjoy the MCU. You know, like you or me, we I, that enjoy it for what it is. We we're talking about the toxic, biased MCU fans. That is MCU, no matter what. Iron Man is God type fans that say that. You know, films like Watch, because I've had MCU fans say that, say that films like Watchmen suck and they're boring. And I'm like, how? When at least, I'm not going to say majority, but I'll say about a good 50 to 60% of the MCU films, especially in the later phases, aren't even comic accurate. You know what I'm saying? And they don't, they can't tell the difference because the movies, the formula of those movies are so successful that what does it matter what the source material was for them? I've got to push back a little bit on some of the movies because I think some of the movies, I'll agree with you, some of them, like Thor Ragnarok might not be uh, comic accurate, uh, but films like to the MCU's credit, they have released movies with a more serious tone like Black Panther um, yeah. and Civil War. But I get what you're saying, though. But I, I want to say this really quick before we go any further. I think the MCU, and this really isn't a fa- an opinion, this is more of a fact. I mean, the box office numbers are there. The MCU is the single biggest thing to happen in the history of cinema. It's gotten... It's insane what they've done. And as a comic book nerd, I love it. I I absolutely love seeing people wear Spider-Man shirts and everything. I love that. I love watching people nerd out. However, my issue comes when people bash everything else. I think this is the one way to make a superhero film. When Christopher Nolan showed clearly... Because throughout his three Dark Knight movies, uh, there's not really a funny... I mean, there might be 
There's there's some humorous moments. Yeah. They just don't overshadow yeah. the whole and movie. There, there might be a, a sarcastic remark, like Joker made a couple of sarcastic remarks. Right. But you're you're not really laughing a lot of the time where the villains are on screen. You, you, mm-hmm. You're most of the time you're hanging on the edge of your seat, like, oh my god, what's happening here? What's going down? Right. Yeah. But um. Real quick though, like with me, I just want to give my real quick take on the Snyder cut. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, like I've said, I respect Zack Snyder as a director, and you and I had a talk about Batman v Superman last night. We're not going to get back into that for the sake of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> nah, but I respect it though. I respect no, I it though. <laughs> um, but I, I will say this: just the the just the, the the Justice League movie we got was one of the two times I went to see a movie and I seriously contemplated walking out of the theater. And, mm. it, and, with ju- and the other one is the other movie we're going to talk about today, but for different reasons. With mm-hmm. Justice League, I was actually pretty hyped for it because from the trailers I saw, I mean, I didn't like Flash from the trailers. Because I was like, oh my gosh, like they're trying so hard to make this kid Spider Man. Uh, yeah. Uh, but there were some moments I liked. I was like, okay, and maybe this will build something up towards Dark Side. Because there was that big Dark Side Easter egg in Batman v Superman with Batman's Nightmare. Uh, right. But I was watching Justice League, and about an hour and a half in, after sitting through like 30 jokes, I was like, this is a disaster. This is terrible. Yeah. And yeah. I'm looking forward to the Snyder Cut solely because there's absolutely no way it can be worse than what we got. And I want to see a good Justice League movie. Because I've been a fan of the JL since I was like seven years old. I grew up on the animated right. movies. And I grew up with the comics. And I love the Justice League. And right. But for the, the and here's the thing: the fans deserve better. The, they the, do. The DC we do. fans just we deserve better than the Justice League. It was an absolute yeah. disaster. Steppenwolf looked ridiculous, and I don't even dislike Steppenwolf as a villain. I thought to myself, okay, we got Steppenwolf. I'd rather have Dark Side, but maybe we can build up to him. But, right, and and he, uh, Steppenwolf just looked like a Power Ranger villain. Right. And and even on that side note, just a quick side note before you continue, Syrian Hines, the actor who played Stephen Wolf, said himself, he's like, this is not what we agreed to film. He 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 watched the final cut and he's like, bro, this is not like the Stephen Wolf that I agreed to play. This is not the movie that we uh that we wanted to film and the fact that the villain of the movie is saying that I'm like I just have the utmost, utmost respect for Syrian saying that so continue I'm no, sorry good, man. but I'm looking forward to the Snyder Cut especially because the, the rumor I heard is it's either going to be one like five hour movie or broken down into parts I'd like to see it broken down into parts kind of like a mini series uh so they can really tell the story and Zach can put everything he wants to put in this. Because mm. HBO Max is doing it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Warner Brothers have any influence in this? 
Um, I'm not sure. Aside from aside from AT and T, which was the the one that greenlit it, that decided to get behind it. AT and T owns Warner Brothers, I believe. Well, so maybe yeah, they learned their lesson. Um, pretty much. That's, yeah, I would say so. The fact that they're letting this happen. And the fact that they're putting $20 million into it does kind of hint that they've learned their lesson. Uh, Because, Mm. I mean, let's be honest here, Eric. The DCU, as of right now, sucks. It absolutely sucks. And we're DC fans, but it's a disaster. It is a joke. And the reason, and I'm going to say this too, before we get into the other film, and this hit hit me the other day. The, the main thing that impressed me about the MCU is the way that they've connected all the movies. And even though not all the movies have been huge hits, because we broke down in one podcast how most of the films before the first Avengers were flops. The Incredible Hulk was a flop. They lost, they lost money on that. Even though it was a good movie, they lost money on it. Uh, I think they barely broke even on Thor. They barely broke even on Cap. They made some money off Iron Man. Uh, But they kept going with the story. They were like, we're connecting them. We're going to keep going with this story. And then after the first Avengers, the rest is history. And they still kept going with the story. And the the reason we all went to see the films is because we knew, okay, here's the next chapter. What is the culmination of all this going to be, which wound up being Thanos? And my God, did they deliver with all that? Uh, but right. with the DCU, it's like we've got like, they don't know where they're going. They're just they're, they're just right. throwing stuff against the wall and hoping it sticks. And that's what I was thinking with Birds of Prey the whole time I was watching it. I'm like, I'm like, this mm-hmm. is a solid film. But it's not going to do anything to help the DCU because number one, no one knows who the Birds of Prey are. If you're just a casual like moviegoer, you're not going to know who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and plus, mm-hmm. it does nothing to further the story of the DCU. It does. It does nothing. Right. You're just throwing stuff out there, hoping it sticks. Uh, right. So D- the DCU at this point to me is an absolute disaster beyond saving. Right. And what what makes me what makes me sad is that like despite my views on the MCU films liking some of them, hating some of them, I I place no blame on Disney. I want to make that very clear. I place no blame on Disney or Marvel Studios. I simply respect them for sticking through with their plan and sticking through with their formula. That's all you could ask of anybody to do, especially taking on something that big. Stick to your guns. You know what I'm saying? And look how it worked. If Warner Brothers had have suffered through these birth pangs, these birth pains that DC had, you know, starting out, if they would have stuck with Zack during Batman v Superman, if they would have stuck through, even though Suicide Squad was subpar and crazy and cut up, um, I believe that Justice League, Zack's original Justice League, had it been released in 2017, would have pushed them through that to where Warner Brothers could start rolling 
and start getting on their feet had they stuck with mm-hmm. Zach. But, you know, you stopped. We're talking about a complete stop. You stopped mid-train, you know, and you just switched tones, put out Justice League. Then you made uh, Aquaman, uh, you know, which Aquaman, I'll have to go back and rewatch it now just to get a second viewing on it. Then you do Shazam, you know, all these films suddenly lighter tone, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And then then you do Birds of Prey, rated R, and I'm like, that tone is mismatched. I'm like, you, there's no there's no consistency there with what you're doing. And it just sort of um it just sort of like you said, they were throwing stuff up against the wall, hoping that it will work. And meanwhile, you got one of the greatest superhero directors and one of the greatest directors ever uh, at Netflix working on Dawn of the Dead when he could have been putting this stuff, uh, putting uh, this stuff together to get the DCU back on track. Now, there is talk of the DC, uh, the old DCEU, we're talking Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, uh, Wonder Woman, Suicide Squad, and Justice League all being back on the forefront and just continuing that DC universe from this uh, upcoming release of Zack Snyder's Justice League. There's talk of just continuing the old universe. So um, I don't know how that's going to land. Um, one thing at a time, well, I guess. <laughs> but... Batman and Superman, and I want people to think about this. Yeah. Iron Man and Captain America were not huge characters. I mean, they were big characters in the comic books, but they weren't box office. Like They weren't the face of Marvel prior to their movies coming out. But Batman and Superman, they were way more famous than Iron Man and Cap. I mean, now it's it's debatable because the MCU has put you know, Robert Downey Jr. has taken Iron Man. Iron Man might be the most famous character now, but Superman and Batman, for the longest time, especially Batman, were like the faces of a franchise. And for Warner Brothers mm-hmm. to screw that up, where you have the more popular characters in Batman and Superman, and the fact they were able to screw that up is almost impressive. Yeah. I agree with that. It it's almost like unbelievable. You managed to, and even and look, and even then, when we talk about Batman v Superman, um, we talk about if people like some Marvel fans go by because their argument is box office gross. They talk about how much the film grossed, and because, and I always call it the MCU logic, where people are like, oh, it grossed this much money. So it must be good. It ha- if it doesn't gross a billion dollars, it's terrible. Or if it doesn't gross close to a billion dollars, it's terrible. If it grosses a billion dollars, it's one of the greatest things since sliced bread. That's how they think. For the record, Batman v Superman grossed over $872.7 million. That's almost a billion. Man of Steel, $668. Right now, that's exactly right. $872.7 Exactly. So even by even by that standard, even though the the views were mixed and some and it was divisive among people, box office wise, it was a successful movie. And Warner Brothers should have kept that 
and kept it moving and let Zach do Justice League. Why you stopped because you gave in to fandom over how much the box office slate was was beyond me. You know, so I'm like, <laughs> I'm well, just I'm, like, dang. I'm looking at it, the so budget for Batman v Superman, I'm looking at it, it was anywhere from 250 to 300 million, and it made 872 million. Well, That's yeah, a success. Now I'm looking at Aquaman. It did gross a billion, 1.1 billion. Uh, Shazam was a huge flop, 366 million. Uh, Wonder mm-hmm. Woman got 821 million. Uh, well, sir. Well, Wonder Woman might be the best of the DCU films so far, in my opinion. It might be the best one. It was really, really good. Uh, I respect that. I respect that. Let's go ahead and get into the other topic for today, which is my in my opinion, we're about to talk about the worst of the DCU films. And not just the worst of the DCU films, but quite possibly the worst DC film I've ever seen. And that's Suicide Squad. Okay. I told you earlier that Batman uh, not uh, that Justice League was one of only two films that I've ever seen that I considered leaving the theater, Suicide Squad mm. was the other. So right. real quick, I, go, go ahead and give me your thoughts on Suicide Squad and what you've heard about David Ayer. David Ayer is one of the greatest directors in Hollywood. To me, he's one of my favorite um, I believe he directed uh, Fury, if I'm not mistaken, which was the World War II flick with Brad Pitt. So he's definitely certified. He's done a whole bunch of great movies. And my understanding now that all of this is coming out post Snyder Cut is that the theatrical cut of what we had in Justice League, of what we had in Suicide Squad was not it was very it was very watered down as far as plot and what they shot the new news that is coming out is from david ayer himself on twitter is that what he wanted to shoot what he originally had in the concepts was lining up more along the lines of justice league suicide squad was lining up with justice league they were supposed to be parademons uh, Satana was supposed to be uh, teaming up with Joker. I hear there was a, the mother boxes were involved in Suicide Squad in the original layout of Suicide Squad. They were supposed to be dealing with the mother boxes. So as far as as far as continuity goes, Suicide Squad for sure would have definitely been a hundred percent better if they would have stuck with that plan if it was connecting more to Justice League like David Ayer said it was. But Warner Brothers chopped it up. They said, no, we're not doing that. They made it, they chopped it down, made it into this, uh, you know, abysmal kind of mixture of whatever. And we ended up getting Suicide Squad. My family, my family loves movies. They don't watch, they don't, read comics like I do they don't you know know everything like that 
But even in the theater, when I went to go see it with them, my parents looked at me like, bro, this is terrible. They were like, this is hot garbage. And I was like, dang, even my parents say that. And they're not even deep in this like I am. So that tell that told me a lot about Suicide Squad. But the fact that David Ayer is telling me telling us now that his version of Suicide Squad was more lined up with Justice League makes a lot more sense because Suicide Squad felt all out of place. And I don't blame him for speaking up now and saying, Hey, now that we got the Snyder cut out, can we go ahead, let's go ahead and start, you know, looking toward the air cut and getting my version of Suicide Squad out that was supposed to concur with Justice League. And AT&T responded on their Twitter account where fans are asking for it. They're like, one thing at a time. And then the next post, they're like, all it takes is a little magic. And they showed Zatanna. Uh, is it Zatanna or is it Enchant- Enchantress? I'm sorry. Enchantress. They showed an Enchantress gif of her turning around and it says all it takes is a little magic. So from that AT&T is saying anything's game now. If you want to release the Suicide Squad like it was supposed to be we'll do that. The air cut is 100% complete minus some visual effects which are rumored to be that which are rumored uh, they can be finished uh, within nine months if given the funds if given the go ahead. That's what they're saying. So we may, I mean, it's crazy, but they also got the James Gunn Suicide Squad that's coming out. So that, you know, that's sort of a soft reboot of Suicide Squad. So I don't know. It's a big, it's a conundrum. Like, we're going to have to take one thing at a time. Suicide Squad was, your parents are right. It's absolutely terrible. It's one of the worst films I've ever seen. And I'm going to be honest. Air cut. No, I'm going to tell you why I do not care if Ayer gets his cut. Because number one, okay. there were things in the film he did control. And one of them being Jared Leto's absolutely ridiculous looking Joker. The, the Joker who has a grill in his mouth a tattoo that says damage. The design was so bad. And this is all David Ayer. I love to blame Warner Brothers for everything, but this is David Ayer here. He actually tweeted. David Ayer himself put on Twitter and apologized for making Joker look the way he did. He He apologized Ah. for it. Because even... He shouldn't apologize for that. Because he looked ridiculous. I mean, if you show this to people, you show this Joker to people who have never, like, just show it to them. Who is this? Is that Marilyn Manson? Is that one of his backup dancers? Is is this like, is this a Hot Topic manager? Because that's how he looks. And not only that, he served no purpose in the film. None. Like you could have taken Joker out of that film, and nothing would have changed. He served no purpose. He was just there. Warner Brothers. They used. They used him as a marketing ploy. And then his voice. And look, I don't care yeah. what you say or what anyone else says. His voice. Well, he was trying to copy Heath Ledger. I'm not a Heath Ledger fanboy who says that. Every Joker that's not Heath Ledger sucks because I love Joaquin Phoenix and I love Jack Nicholson. 
But Jared Leto, if you listen to his voice, mm. he was trying to talk almost exactly like Heath Ledger, minus the laugh, because his laugh his laugh sounds what happens mm-hmm. what happens whenever you open up a very creaky door and then you shut it. <laughs> and there were so but <laughs> I just I personally I could care less if Suicide Squad gets a recut because I just it, to me it's an irredeemable film and I want to forget that that movie got made. It was so bad. I want to forget that it exists. I can understand that. I, I can definitely understand that. You hold a high reverence and a high respect for exactly. Joker. So um, that, that's something else, too. You so I, perfectly. I don't hate Suicide Squad because I'm a Marvel fan. I hate it because I'm a DC fan, and I love Suicide Squad. Which, by the way, anyone that's read the Suicide Squad mm-hmm. comics, Joker's not in them. He's not in them. It's the Suicide Squad story. But so I don't know why Joker had to be in it, but the the whole right. thing was, and then people were trying to tell me about Joker. They were saying, "Well, the deleted scenes are coming out, and when the deleted scenes come out, you'll see how good it could have been." I watched every single one of those deleted scenes, and I'm thinking, "No, it still sucks. It still sucks." <laughs> The deleted scenes didn't make any difference. Those deleted scenes in there, and all of his lines that were supposed to be scary just come off as cringy. Now that falls on the writers. That falls on the writers of this film. Just everything, everything about this film was abysmal. I can't think of a single good thing to say about it except maybe Will Smith Deadshot. Maybe. Right. But. Mm-hmm. So, 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 based off that notion, would you say that had Warner Brothers stuck to the original concept with the Suicide Squad having something to do with the mother boxes and the parademons and citizens of apocalypse and things like that, would you, and it had more connection to Zack Snyder's Justice League? Would you say that it would have been better than what we got, which was just Suicide Squad with Joker in it? Warner Brothers could have put paint drying on the screen for two hours, and it would have been better than Suicide Squad. (laughs) I'm not kidding. This movie, yeah, I'll agree with you only because, like I said, you, you could have put somebody dragging a nail across a chalkboard for two and a half hours and I would have enjoyed it more than Suicide Squad. I mean, it's... Right, and I right. hate saying that, too, because I, I respect the actors in this film so much. Will Smith, Jared Leto, Margot mm-hmm. Robbie, and to have a, a cast that talented and to fail... And then, you know, you, you have a plot that's all over the place. And it. Oh my God. I'm. <laughs> you having PTSD? You having PTSD? You okay? It's just, I don't know. Like, some people tell me how they like the film. And my question is, how? Like, please tell me how anyone well, likes this film. Well, the. the... 
there are some enjoyable parts of the film. Enjoy a few enjoyable moments, a few, and that depends on the viewer. To me, I had some enjoyable moments with the film. The Deadshot shootout scene, his interaction with uh with uh with the director and with everybody, I loved it. Um, I enjoyed Harley Quinn in this movie. Um, her flashbacks to how uh her, the the one where she fell in the pool back. To me, a lot of people didn't like that scene, but to me. I thought that was that was pretty cool. That was that was just pretty cool. Um, Batman's cameo that was pretty cool because we've never, I don't think in live action we've seen Batman interact with Harley Quinn in any kind of way or any affiliates of Joker. We've seen him affiliate and try to get rid of Joker, but we've never seen Batman mess with affiliates of Joker like Harley Quinn. So to see that his cam Ben's cameo scene was cool in that. Um, other than that, I wouldn't say there were any more enjoyable moments out of that film because it's like it's like you're you're, you're teasing yeah. me of something that could have been way better. Like I I wish they would have spent more time right. with the Batman Harley and Joker chase. But that entire scene lasted what a minute and a half. But a minute, yeah. And 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 even that. Come to think of it, come to think of it, another thing that upset me about Suicide Squad is that it it clearly had the no blueprints of the MCU on it because at the end at the end of it they did the post credit scene where Ben uh, where Batman where Bruce Wayne. Uh, talks with uh the director. I forgot, I, man. I just read the book. I forgot who's the leader of the Suicide Squad. I'm having a brain fart. I forgot. Amanda Waller. God dang it! Come on, man. Um, yeah. Uh, Bruce and Waller have a conversation, and she tells Bruce, "You need to stop working nights." And Bruce tells her, "Shut it down, or I will." And he's he's giving her the file of the Justice League, and I'm like. This is the most Marvel Cinematic Universe thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, clearly, Zack already established in Batman v Superman that a Justice League is there, and he's already going to take steps to gather them together. I don't think that they 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 should have. I don't think they had to, you know, necessarily put a post credit scene in there where they're like. You know, I'm gonna pull these guys that together if you don't, you know, stop this. The, the film did. Part of the whole film. Yes. You <laughs> think so? I, however, oh, another thing is that I do respect Suicide Squad for respecting Batman v Superman because, of course, they had to get the continuity right. But the way that they, you know, paid respect to Superman and well, acknowledging yeah. the events of Batman v Superman, that bought the film in sort of easy for me and I'm like, okay, they're just not on some random but BS. That, it it makes sense, you know. BS, so. And I just thought the whole the, the tone of the film is all over the place. Like, at first we're trying to be serious but right. now, no, we're funny again and the vil both villains, like Enchantress being the villain, I just thought it was lazy. I thought it was so lazy. Uh, the whole film to me just felt yeah. lazy, but like I said, my biggest issue with the film actually was Jared Leto's Joker because it was a 
God, it was so bad. But I tell you, and it's so depressing yeah. because I was actually excited when I heard Jared Leto was going to play Joker. I actually was because he's a great actor, but then I saw right. what he looked like, and I, I just – and his introduction scene where he puts the tattoo over his mouth, I was – I've never cringed so hard at anything because I'm thinking they're trying way too hard to show how crazy he is. Like, you don't – like, I'm trying to think. Like, right. Okay, here's a prime example. And, and I don't want to, like, always, you know, compare. I don't want to compare Jared to Heath. I don't want to get into that. But for an example, he take Heath right. Ledger's introduction scene. You didn't even know it was Joker. Like, all he did in his introduction was take his mask off and deliver one good line. And you're you're sitting in the theater going, oh, snap. This guy, this freaking guy. <laughs> but like with Jared Leto, oh my God, honka honka. Like what? What? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> but let me say this though: if if the David Ayer cut does get released, I will watch it, uh, and I'll try to make myself like it because I do love DC and I want DC to do good, but. To me, at this point, DC films right. have just disappointed me so many times. I can't even get excited about them anymore. That's what. That's where I'm at. Yeah, I'm trying to get excited I can understand. about the Snyder Cut. I'll have to see it to get excited about it. Uh, it's it's Zack Snyder Cut. It's his original version. How could you not be hype because, about it? This is long overdue, man. A bad taste in my mouth. Has Zack Snyder ever put a um, bad taste in your mouth? Certain parts of Batman v Superman did, but uh, namely Lex Luthor. But other than that, he did all right. I respect that. I respect that. He's giving you Man of Steel. He's giving you Watchmen. You got me on Watchmen He's... and Man of Steel. You got me on that because General Zod is a top ten villain. Top five, in my opinion. That boy, top five, always. I'm trying to think real quick, off the top of my head. Heath Ledger, Dr. Octopus, uh, Killmonger. He might be top five. I got Zod in my number one in my top five. I got Zod at number one in my top five. Number one, you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna like my top five villains, really. You're okay, just no, not, you're not gonna like them. You're gonna like them, you're just not gonna like the way they're placed. I got, I got Zod at number one. At number two, I have, I would probably say Heath Ledger's Joker. Um, at three, I have Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor. At four, I have, let's see, I have Doc Ock, of course, Dr. Octopus, Otto Octavius from Spider-Man 2. And, uh, five, five, I want to say, 
I really do want to say Killmonger. I think it is Killmonger. I have it number five because outside of that, I really haven't seen any other, you know, villains that really like have a good cause behind them. Like they're not just out to take over the world. They actually got something to say. So those are my top five because they actually had something to say. They weren't just evil just to be evil. Honorable mentions, Sam Raimi's Green Goblin. He was off the chain. I put William uh, Green Goblin over and, there. Uh, Sam Raimi. Over which one? That was the one. Sam Raimi was, oh, yeah. William Defoe is Sam Raimi's Green I Goblin. He meant Dane DeHaan. My bad. Dane DeHaan, Dane DeHaan is an honorable mention. I put him as honorable mention because strictly because The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is the most comic book accurate Spider-Man yeah, movie that's ever been made. Know, and the way... You're probably going to edit this to make it a part of another podcast. But... but probably, yeah. No, this is one whole. This is I'm one whole. Let me get this straight. You've got General Zod. I don't even want to say it. Yeah. I don't even want to say the order you've got it in. But I have to ask, what gives him the edge? Yes. What gives him the edge is number one. Because to me, what makes a great villain over everything is having meaning. You know, what is your meaning? You know, nobody's, as George Lucas said uh, about Darth Vader, about Anakin, nobody's evil for no reason. And the best kind of villain that you can have is, you know, in the in oh, his right, eyes, right. in that villain's eyes, they believe that they are doing the right thing. Changing list, Heath Ledger's Joker 1, Darth Vader number 2. Now go. Oh, you mentioned Vader. Okay. George said that the villain no matter what is going on, you know, they always believe that what they're doing is right, even though in the eyes of others, it's wrong. And to me, that just makes for one of the best compelling villains, you know, of all time, whether Marvel or DC. So when we talk about General Zod, we're talking about a Kryptonian who was bred to be a warrior. He didn't choose to be a warrior. He was born that way, straight from the Codex. That's his designation. He's a warrior. All he cared about was building Krypton and the fact rebuilding it after its destruction and the fact that he went against the politicians and the people that, you know, led Krypton to the ruin, which is totally understandable, especially in today's world, going against political forces that make decisions that can destroy, you know, worlds, uh, nations. That is especially relatable in the case of General Zod. So when he goes against Clark, He's expecting Clark to go along with it. He doesn't, but he's like, Clark's not about to deter me. I'm about to get this done, you know. And in the end of Man of Steel, Michael Shannon, when he has that anger, that rage, he's like, bruh, we could have built Krypton all over again and saved our race, but you chose humans over us. He's like, bruh, I hate you, Clark. I'm going to murk you. And then, you know, so that whole conflict ensues. But just that rage, General, General Zod believed that what he was doing was right, and he didn't care. He cared about his people. So in that way, 
he wasn't evil, but the way he went about doing what he wanted to do was very evil. So, you know, that's why I got General Zod at number one. Compared to Heath Ledger's Joker, who was mis- who was mystifying in every way possible, you know, like, just mystifying. I'm talking about, like, mystery come out of the wind. You don't know who he is or where he came from, but he, you, you know, he's familiar. Heath Ledger's Joker really didn't have an origin or anything that I could sink my teeth into. He was just so goddamn mesmerizing in the moment that you really didn't care about where he came from or who he was in the past life. That's just how good a good that Joker was. So okay, two that's things. why I have, that's why I give Zod the edge. First of all, in terms of villains that you empathize with and you question whether they're evil, in that category, I feel like Alfred Molina's Doctor Octopus did a better job of that than General Zod did. I mean, for cut. For Christ's sake, you feel legitimately bad for Alfred Molina the whole film. The whole film. Because you think about it. He he lost his wife because the science experiment went wrong. The film has nothing. And the only... He was right. contemplating suicide. Uh, he was shown contemplating suicide. But then the arms right. take over his mind. And he's like, you know what? We're going to try this again. And I don't care what I mm-hmm. have to do to get it done because it's going to work because that's the one thing that I have left in this world. And then at the very end, right. Spider-Man, instead of killing Doc Ock, gets to right. And, you know, there's that very emotional moment where he's like, oh, my God, I'm so wrong. My wife would be ashamed of me. And, like, dude, that just, to me, that whole thing did better than right. God. That the emotion when it came to... Hmm? I tried. I'm sorry, you good. Got it. You got it. No, I was out. Good. Yeah. I was saying I tried to feel bad for for Doc Ock. I tried to, but what what held me back from feeling bad for him as opposed to Zod is the fact that Peter sat at the dinner table with this man. He sat at the table with Doc Ock and his wife, and he asked him, "Are you sure that you can contain?" The, the magnetic theory, are you sure that your calculations are on point? Can you contain this? Are you sure? And Doc Ock's just nonchalant. Like, you know, this experiment can suck in all of New York. But no, I got it. I've, I've, I've got these calculations down packed. And then it goes on and he messes up. And later on, he's like, well, it was working, wasn't it? Yeah, it was working. But Peter said, he asked you, were you sure your calculations were right? And you, was, you said, yeah, and you were I mean, terribly wrong. So with wanting it to be right, I mean, that was his true. Main objective in life was to true, that. true, so, true. I mean, that's everything he'd worked for. But then when it comes to Heath Ledger, real quick, right. the, the number one reason I have him the number one, you talked about him being mystifying. His motivation was the absolute. Number, it was perfect when it comes to Joker, which was he wanted to. He his main motivation was he wanted to show everybody how ridiculous their moral code is. And another thing I loved about it is, with mm. the exception of Thanos and Infinity War, and I believe there was an X Men movie where this happened. Heath Ledger won, the Joker won. Like he, yeah, he gets kidnapped at the end, 
But Harvey Dent becoming two-faced in that way, he won. Because Harvey Dent was he won. Yeah. symbol of hope. So much so that Batman was like, you know what? I think this guy can, you know, I think I don't have to do this anymore because Harvey Dent's over here doing his thing and he's incorruptible. He's standing up to everybody. And Joker's, mm-hmm. and Joker's like, oh, yeah, he's really incorruptible. Why right, this? right. I'm going to kill his wife. Then, let, or, then we'll see how incorruptible mm-hmm. he is. And he was right. In one yeah. day, Two-Face goes from, he was. I'm Harvey Dent, and we're going to make Gotham safe, to just a psycho murderer who was about to murder Jim Gordon's son in front of him. I mean, that whole scene, man, like, I mean, I respect right. the opinion of having a different opinion than Heath yeah. Ledger at number one, because I understand sometimes it can get annoying, everybody saying the same thing. The way they ride Heath Ledger, like, they leave no room for nobody I else. legitimate reasons for believing that Heath Ledger is head and shoulders just the best villain that I've ever seen I have I have watched that movie so many times and to me right. he had the biggest flex of all time burning that money in front of the Italian mobster just just to show him he's like yeah I know you love and money, not so caring at all I think of your money not to mention not to mention that Mr. Lau was on top of that money right. he got burned alive and Joker didn't blink he was like, you like money? Well, watch this. Right. Boom. Here's what right. I think of your morals. Your morals are a joke. Everything Boom. is a joke. Everyone mm-hmm. can be pushed to a limit. Like, got it. And then right. he turned all of Gotham into chaos. And that's how come that last scene with the two boats was so intense. Because right. Joker was really about to prove to Batman, one of those boats is going to blow mm-hmm. up. And then when it didn't happen, you could see that just sheer look of disbelief on Joker's face. And Batman was like, ha, you thought. But then after that, Joker was like, ha, you thought. What about yeah. Harvey Dent? <laughs> and that's what made it so great. But so this was another <laughs> exactly. amazing podcast. Yeah. Absolutely. We're coming down at 57 minutes, almost at an hour. So, yeah, it's definitely been a great podcast for sure, as always. Always, bro. Always. To those who are listening, follow my boy Evan Elliott on Instagram. I believe your Instagram name is uh, Double E19, if I'm not mistaken. Follow him at Double E19. You can also follow uh, both of us because... I just announced today that I'm bringing, I want more perspective here on J House because I know I can be quite passionate about my views. So I want to bring different perspectives in. So that's why I want to have Evan on more and I want to have Chris on more, you know, so that we can bring in some different perspectives and different uh, views and sort of mix it up a bit. So I'm very excited uh, about that. So follow us on J House as well. And I'll have this uh, podcast posted up on the Twitter link. Uh, as always, Evan, pleasure mm-hmm. uh, talking to you, bro. We could do this for an eternity. <laughs> yes, sir. Have a great freaking day. Love all you guys.
Thank you for joining. This has been another edition of JF Radio.